Jaden, let's find something kind of Japanese to kick this thing off. So a couple years ago, Shani and I are eating sushi, my wife Shani, and we're at a restaurant and they're bringing us Chilean sea bass that is just fresh beyond anything we've ever had. And then the waitress comes and says, you know, you guys should really try the raw wasabi. And I said, raw wasabi, but like, what's the difference? And she said, well, let me bring you some. So she brings us this raw wasabi versus the typical, you know, green Play-Doh thing they lump down on the plate. And it's the equivalent, the difference, you know, the lump down on the plate that we've only ever had is like, would be like a, a bad tomato from Subway. And then the raw wasabi would be like grandma's garden or grandpa's garden that he cultivates carefully all year long and you pick a fresh tomato from that garden. That was the difference between raw wasabi and the typical stuff. And the sushi, just everything they brought us was, was amazing. I said, what's back there? They said, they just brought in a six-foot fish a couple days ago and there was uh, it was just the whole experience was wild the restaurant was called a taku and when we're leaving I asked the waitress I said what's a taku what does that mean and she said well it's a Japanese word for obsession we obsess on we obsess on sushi here so I'm loving this term and because the idea of a taku and we're today going to talk quickly about a concept called futuristic otaku and otaku is an obsession almost like an addiction, but it doesn't drain, it enlivens. And it brings curiosity, it brings focus, it brings stuff into the zone. And so futuristic otaku as a marketer, um, here's a hint, the only thing we can ever sell is the future, almost exclusively the future. We are dealers in the future. As a consumer, almost everything we buy, we are purchasing a future result, and an anticipated future result. Um, and I'll explain this in a minute, but like the infrastructure of our entire emotional life pretty much sits on our belief about the future, our own personal future, the world at large, the earth, the afterlife, everything. So this concept of futuristic otaku is a kind of enlivening obsession and focus on the future. So let me give you an example as a consumer because what I did is I have a reality game and it's called Limitless and it's a bunch of mainly 22, 23, 24 year old college kids, mainly guys. And they're playing a reality game and I created some new levels called Activating Value and it's based on this futuristic otaku. And, and I'm going to get into that in a second, but let me give just a little more detail to kind of persuade you to toy with the idea that everything is the future. So we don't buy a gym membership just to have it. We buy it to have ripped abs, endless cardio. It's a future result. And we imagine all the juicy benefits we imagine will come to us when we have ripped abs and we have endless cardio. Uh, we don't buy a mountain bike simply to own it and to have it sit in our garage. We buy it with a future uh, vision that we're going to venture out into the wild. We're going to activate our primal instincts. We're going to get lost in the zone as we scramble down the mountain with our bikes. Our, we're going to have great memories with our buddies. We don't actually buy the bike for the bike itself. It's the future we buy. Um, a month or so ago, I bought a brand new Taylor guitar. Bear with me on this. I bought a brand new Taylor guitar. It was about $4,000. Pretty serious investment um, considering it's an instrument and I'm a hobbyist at best. But again, I didn't really buy it to own the guitar itself, although it does serve kind of as a nice functional art uh, piece in my library. I bought it because I want it to be an heirloom for one of my four kids to fight over someday. 
Um, I bought it so I could write and sing Shanty love songs before we go to bed so we could have sweet memories. I bought it to really play and sing with my kids. And here's a little sample of that, by the way. It says, when the world comes in, I don't want any kind of, I want a total sharp cut on the world comes in, but very clearly saying each word. Try it, here we go. Hey now, hey now, no dream, it's over, hey now, hey now, when the world comes in, and they come, they come. It's a little 80s rewind there. But I didn't buy the guitar to actually have the guitar. I bought the guitar to inspire a futuristic musical self and legacy that I imagined. And the guitar really couldn't bring it to me. It could only help bring it to me. So almost every time we purchase, we get something called a buyer's buzz. And if you're a marketer, take note. Um, if you can create buyer's buzz and people create, when they buy, just the act of buying creates a buzz. It's a dopamine. It's a high. And that's why women call it, you know, retail therapy. They go out and they just feel good when they're buying. So almost every time we purchase anything, we get a buyer's buzz. And that's why we purchase it. And the stronger the future excitement of the result we paint in our mind, the stronger the buzz will be. And the more addictive it becomes if, as a seller of the product, we deliver the results we promised. And then the lifetime value of the buyer becomes more and more intense, customer loyalty um, becomes more and more intense. And just the hint to marketers, we can only sell the future. But anyway, back to this reality game. So I've got this reality game and I'm teaching the guys that one of the afflictions that can really, it afflicts anybody, whether they're wealthy, whether they're poor, middle class, it really doesn't discriminate. But it's this idea of buyer's buzz and then kind of a lessening of the value of money. And here's what happens. Uh, you start making money and we tend to start buying things, right? Because you get a buzz when you buy something. But the buzz is usually attached to the futuristic result, imagination, original intention, fantasy that we think this product's going to buy us. For instance, I buy the guitar. Now, let's just say it starts collecting dust. I look at it and, you know, it secretly stares at me and says, you wasted $4,000, right? But I, the buzz I got was I imagined that I would leave this legacy of music and this uh, passing of time and this enhancement of romance and leading of worship in the family and maybe writing a couple songs that make it to the radio or who knows the fantasies I conjure up to buy this guitar. And that's what causes the buzz. But if I don't follow through, all of a sudden what happens is on the other side, I can say to myself, and this is, this is the malady, and this is the activating value concept that I brought into the game that I'm sharing today, is you can say, well, money, money doesn't work as a happiness bringer, right? Because I've tried everything. I've bought everything. And then all of a sudden we can say, see, money doesn't buy you happiness. And then we kind of delude the reality of what money can bring because... Money is a currency of life in, it affects every, I was just telling the kids the other day, I said, you know, money affects not everything. It's not the ultimate value, but there are very few things that it doesn't fix. I mean, it doesn't fix everything, but I said, it affects like what we're eating for breakfast right now, the chairs we're sitting on, the beds we woke up in, the cars we're going to go get in to drive, the quality of music, 
from a sound system perspective that we go to, the computers that we use, the phones that we use, the amount of data that we throttle or that we don't, the amount we get to fly back to North Dakota or we don't, or travel to the ocean or we don't. I said money is the currency, and it's a, it's it's activating and really making everything we're doing um, pretty powerful thing. But I said, if you start this buyer's bus thing and you start buying and buying and buying, but you don't activate the value, you then buy another thing and throw that to the side and it doesn't bring you the lasting happiness and you buy another thing. You throw that to the side and you keep kind of in the cycle of the buyer's buzz. And so in the game, I'm teaching the kids. I said, I want you to list three to seven to ten things that you've bought that you bought with an original intention and you had a beautiful vision for it. And it could be as simple as a bag of Epsom salt that you were going to take, you know, a nice long, you know, 20, 30 minute hot mineral bath after you work out at the end of the day or whatever with a nice cup of herbal tea before you go to bed. And it's going to, you know, give you a little bit more minerals. You're going to get a little buzz from the Epsom salt. You're going to sleep better. It's going to, you know, soften your skin and blah, blah, blah. But you bought the bag of Epsom salt that went under the sink and you never use it, so it's unactivated value. And that's just a tiny case, whether it's a big tub of protein, you were going to buy it because you were going to do some serious working out and then gulp down a little bit of protein to pop your gains a little bit extra. Or it could be something like you bought a sketch pad because you were going to start sketching out some of your you know, visions and little pictures for whoever, but you didn't sketch into it. So the activating value level is about identifying stuff in your life that you bought with a vision, but that you haven't activated the vision yet. And since I released just the concept, I haven't even actually released the level in the game, what happened is I saw a flurry of activity from this already, both in my own life, in my wife's life, and in a couple of my friends' life. Let me give you an example. One, there was a $30 American Eagle gift card in my homie Matthew's wallet. And he's like, this is unactivated value. So he went and got himself a new pair of shorts right away. I bought myself, and I'm actually holding them in my hand right now, Redfield binoculars. These, are, these aren't these are the best on the market. They're maybe 150 bucks, a couple hundred bucks. But they're really nice binoculars. But I bought them because I had visions that I'd take them on my hikes. You know, I travel a lot. So I take them when I'm hiking the Nepali coast, whale watching, in March, I could spot the whales in my binoculars and even get a better view of them. I imagine going birding with the kids and, and all this stuff. But the binoculars, literally, I put them in a closet and I hadn't used them. And this is since Christmas. So I put them out by my bedstand. And today we're actually going to a riparian park. I think I pronounced that right. But basically it's a big bird park. And we're just going to activate the value. So the, the gamified thing that we're doing in the game is that the players are to spend 20 to 40 minutes mingling with the product or service to activate the value of the original vision that they had. And so even last night, I bust out the guitar and I'm playing with the kids. So the whole idea is, and this is the takeaway and we'll wrap up this party, is that we buy a bunch of products, okay? And this is kind of the challenge, maybe the, the toy uh, theory here is look around and make a list of a bunch of products that you bought and tie the original buzz of why you got that product and and kind of reawaken that thing. So you might have bought a book. You were excited to get into the book because the book was going to lead you to this result that was going to lead you to this result. 
but the book hasn't been opened yet, right? So spend 20 minutes playing around with the book. If it's binoculars, bust out the binoculars and go on a walk up in the hill and, you know, view over with the binoculars. If it's the Epsom salt, hit the Epsom salt. Because here's what, here's what we're going to, here's what I think you're going to experience is one of the secrets to happiness and really the secret to, I would, I would go so far as one of the top secrets of happiness and understanding the power of money is activating the value <clears throat> once we purchase it because nothing erodes the value of money quicker than a hasty purchase that we buy with an intention and then we set it aside and we don't activate the intention then what we have is a collection of a bunch of shit and we think money doesn't work but what I want to teach the players is I want them to teach a really high kind of glycemic index of purchasing so when they buy something it's not just the sugar spike of the high, it's, they, it's the sugar spike of the high, but it's the sustainable value that that product bought them, brought them. For instance, the guitar. If I bought it, didn't play it, put it aside, it's a waste of $4,000. If I buy it and I play around with it and I teach the kids music and I, you know, it brings a little more romance to Shani and I and I lead a couple campfire songs or whatever and I write a new Christmas song for the family and I blah, 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 the guitar is literally a gateway to a richer, fuller, more interesting future. Same with the mountain bike. I love my mountain bike. I bought it so I could go hit the trails and stuff like that. But if it sits in the garage, all my purchases stare at me and bring me guilt and speak against me and cause me to have weird thoughts about what money can do and what it can't do. So in the game, <clears throat> the idea is to go and search of a bunch of products. And we came up with like 15, 20 from books to Epsom salt to protein to uh, garden hoses to pots. Like people bought some pots so they could replant the pots in of replant their uh, flowers in better pots. But the pots are in the garage. But literally going out and activating all the buyers, all the stuff that we bought, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find it curbs your neurotic compulsion to purchase it really will it's really weird it kind of like brings our purchasing into uh into much better focus because we have habitualized the idea that when we buy something we actually extract the value and when we do that our lives will be bustling with interest for instance i'm holding a book that's called the monks of new skeet the divine canine we have a puppy golden retriever He's a psycho. He chews things. He's not the best dog. I'm, you know, he's kind of challenged all my beliefs on how good a dog trainer I am. But I bought this book, and instead of buying it and putting it on the shelf, actually mingling with it, playing 10, 15, 20 minutes with the dog, it makes my life more interesting. It also validates the purchase of the dog and the purchase of the canine uh, and the purchase of the book. And makes it more interesting versus me wanting to race out to buy something else to try to like numb the the pain of an, a boring life. Okay, that maybe that's overstating it a little bit, but I think I think I'm I think I'm sharing clear enough. So here's here. Let's wrap this party up. Number one, and do you think I'm going from notes here? Because I'm not. I'm going talking into a computer. Number one is as a buyer realize everything we buy we're buying for the future so 
when we do buy something, really, really activate the use and mingle with it. You don't have to obsess on it. I don't have to spend a full Saturday training my dog. It's like 10, 20, 30 minute microbursts. Number two, as a marketer or as a seller, realize that it's the futuristic otaku. It's a slight obsession that you can create in the marketing. What's the best case futuristic result that a buyer can have through purchasing your product? That's all you're selling. The features and the benefits, those are sidebars to painting a vivid, crystal clear, pre-ownership mental experience. And the more you can do that, it's an unbelievable power. In fact, our whole emotional infrastructure rests on our view of the future. So futuristic otaku, a slight obsession that animates the future, it's going to allow us to purchase things with more purpose, to activate the value that we originally sought, to kind of really value our money in a more intense way, and then also get a better return on investment of the things that we do buy. So all that said, Futuristic Taku, we'll see you in the next episode. Promotional considerations by myself. I'm fully indie. You can check out the show notes at www.minutewithmark.com forward slash future, where I have a picture of my 100-plus-year-old bonsai tree. I'm pretty proud of it. And then also a picture of the guitar and the dog mentioned and the address of the restaurant, Ataku, which started it all. Finally, I have 10 minutes of a training, an entrepreneurial training I call Futuristic Otaku. And what it is, it's mainly for business owners. It's going to teach you how to think futuristically as a business owner and as a person. I think you're going to love it. www.minutewithmark.com forward slash future. 10 minutes is right there waiting for you. Talk soon.